0: Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Let's pray as we uh, come to this passage from Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who speaks to us uh, from your Word, Uh, words that are powerful, words that are true, words that change, uh, comfort, challenge us. We pray that they might do that tonight. Lord, help us in our hearing of these words from Jesus. Uh, Help me in speaking these words from Jesus, that I might be faithful. And we pray it all might be pleasing to you, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, here's a a question for you. Uh, What do you want to be found doing when Jesus returns? Think about that moment. Uh, When Jesus returns, whether that's tonight, or in five years' time, or in a couple of decades' time, what do you want Jesus to find you doing at that point? I reckon um, these kind of questions are really helpful because they they get us to think about, do I really believe that Jesus is going to return? And what difference does that make to my life tonight, tomorrow morning as I head off to work or uni. Here's another question for you, how would you finish this this sentence? Because I expect Jesus to return, I am what? How would you finish that sentence? Uh, This is a massive topic, isn't it? As we think about Jesus' return, this has huge implications for us in the way we live, uh, it's got massive relevance for us as disciples of Jesus or whether we're still thinking about becoming a disciple. So stick with me now as we head to chapter 24, Matthew 24, verse 36. Have it open in front of you. So if you've got a Bible there, have it open. Look, look on with someone, look on your phone app. Um, let's go Matthew 24, verse 36. And what's what's the context? Well, if you are with us last week, uh, you remember this We're in the second half of the chapter. We're in the second half of Jesus' answer to a question at the beginning of the chapter. Do you remember what that question was? Jesus uh, gets asked the question from his disciples. You say the temple will be destroyed. Tell us, when will this happen? And then they add a few more questions. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. In other words, surely the temple coming down means the end of it all. Tell us when the end will actually come. What will be the signs towards it? When will it come? And last week we we saw in the first half of the chapter, there there will be signs, Jesus says, of the end. Do you remember what they are? It's wars, rumours of wars, uh, famine, when you see that, when you see Christians persecuted. When you see the love of some disciples of Jesus grow cold, finally when you see the death of Jesus, then you know that the end is right upon you. That's the beginning of the end. We saw that last week. We're in the last days. And of course, the context of this chapter is when you see the temple destroyed, that happened in AD 70, then we're in the last days, we're in the the end. So we come now to verse 36... And Jesus is really getting on to that, answering that question, when will that final end come? What's the, what's the program for that end? When will that date be? And notice in verse 36, the answer is actually really, really simple. Uh, last week, the, the passage was incredibly complicated. Tonight, I don't think it's complicated, but it's, it's weighty. And the answer in verse 36, look with me, is, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Uh, don't, don't try and work it out, he says. The Father has that date worked out. It's not for you to know. There's Jesus' answer, very simple. Now, you probably realise and notice that over the centuries, that hasn't stopped Christians trying to work it out. Uh, if you Google this, you'll see a massive list of predicted dates when Jesus will return. Uh, In fact, if you look through that list, you'll see that is a list full of heretics, but also some faithful Christians, people that we esteem through history, who've somehow tried to work out when Jesus will return, when Jesus has actually made it really clear, you won't be able to know. No one knows, he says, only the Father. It might be tonight, it might be in 10 years' time, it might be in 500 years' time. It's not for you to know. But what Jesus is going to go on to say is, when I come, when the Son of Man comes, he will come to judge the world. It'll be so, much, so, so different to Jesus' first coming. He's going to come and cast out those who don't know him and welcome in those who are his friends. And so the rest of the chapter into these parables it's Jesus saying can you see how wonderful it would be to be part of this can you see how awful it will be to miss out on this and so Jesus just keeps emphasizing repeating repeating story after story parable after parable how awesome is this going to be make sure you're part of it how awful would it be if you miss out on this See, so you've you just got to get the gravity of it. Some on that day will be called home to their heavenly home forever. How good would that be? And some will be cast out to darkness for eternity. Uh, some God will say, you've lived as if I was never there and now I'm giving you what you want. There, there's some beautiful descriptions in, in these in these, uh end of chapter 24, beginning of chapter 25, of that wonderful day for some. So look with me in verse 46. Uh, it'll be a good day for faithful servants. They'll be welcomed. Uh, over in chapter 25, verse 10, the wedding banquet will, will be opened up. Uh, that, what does a wedding banquet speak of? Celebration, rejoicing, partying with the Son of Man. But there's some awful descriptions, too, of judgment for those who reject Jesus. Verse 51. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Or there's that awful picture in chapter 25, verse 10, again, of the wedding banquet. But the wedding banquet shut. The door shut and people on the other side of that door. The stakes are massively high for the Son of Man's return, the coming of Jesus. And some people would say, isn't this just Jesus inflicting fear on people? Um, I reckon it's one of the parts of the Bible where Jesus actually does want us to be afraid. This is massive. Eternity is at stake, heaven and hell are at stake. And to get me to think, to, to be fearful is, is not unloving when there's a danger involved. Yeah? When you warn someone, this is a real danger and, and that does bring an appropriate fear, that is the most loving thing you can do. Uh, of course, fear as a manipulative tool is absolutely dreadful, but Jesus is not doing that. Jesus is saying, this is the danger beware Uh, and as you think about judgment as you think about these terrible descriptors just keep thinking about Jesus who went to the cross so that you don't need to go there that's that's the love of Jesus that's what Jesus came to do isn't it that we we were all headed there and Jesus brings us into eternity because of what he's done for us Uh, so not a trivial topic um Massive topic, and what does Jesus say? You don't know the hour, it will happen, you can be guaranteed of it. And so, so what should you do? What, what difference does this make to our lives? Um, that's what the rest of the chapter is about. And, and Jesus, to help us, he just drives home the point with story after story. Do you notice this? Uh, it's one of those ones where you go, Jesus has got something really important to tell us, because he just keeps repeating it. Uh, You've probably noticed that in in relationships. When someone just keeps telling you the same thing, it's time to pay attention, isn't it? It's it's time to listen. And Jesus gives us two illustrations, and then he gives us three parables. And and, and so let me outline that. So two illustrations. The first one is from history. It's from Noah and and the flood, verse 37. Then he moves to the illustration of the thief, and then he moves to three parables, parable of the wicked servant, parable of the ten virgins and the last one is the parable of the talents or the bags of gold. We won't talk about that tonight, we, we cover that on, on Vision Sunday but let's have a look at those other four stories um, because they all have one clear message. Uh, here's what they all have in common, be ready for the return of Jesus, stay alert don't lose focus. Don't get distracted. Make the most of the opportunities you have before I return. Be ready. Uh, it's there and there. It's there every time. Verse forty-two. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on the on what day your Lord will come. Or verse forty-four. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Or over in chapter twenty-five, verse thirteen. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the hour or the day. See, what's happening? The end of the world is coming, that you can be sure of. Uh, The world won't just keep going as it is. It will have a decisive end. Jesus will bring it to a close. You might not know, you don't know when it will happen, but you do know that it will happen. So keep watch. Be ready, don't be distracted. Keep going right to the end. Because what is Jesus saying? Some will be caught out, some will be on the other side of the door on that last day. Now, I don't know how you process that or respond to that, but often when we hear these things, who are we hearing them from? It kind of sounds like, when you hear these things in our culture, it, is that coming from someone crazy? Uh, you know, the, the the homeless person who has the sandwich board, the end is nigh, uh, the end of the world's coming we think they're crackpots, don't we? Um, Except, who's speaking to us here? It's actually, it's Jesus that warns us, isn't it? Jesus has shown himself time and time again not to be the crackpot. He's the one very thoughtful, has authority, uh, uh, teaches truthfully, has great love and compassion. In fact, He he steps into a world of chaos and he's the most stable person on the planet. He's the one we should be listening to. He's the one who knows the beginning from the end. He knows exactly what's going to happen. And so let's listen to Jesus. Two illustrations and two parables. Let's go. Verse 38 is the first one. Noah and the flood. So verse 38 Have a look at it with me there. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. See, what's the point there? Uh, Jesus is saying, it will happen when everything is just going on as if it's normal. Uh, How will you know that it's about to happen? Well, you'll just see life going on normally. Uh, That's the pattern of it. Uh, People will be, like Noah's time, people will be eating and drinking, they'll be marrying, they'll be buying houses, they'll be doing deals, they'll be working, and then all of a sudden, bang, comes the judgment. That's what happened for Noah. Uh, The flood came, it was too late, people were destroyed, they were... Uh, taken away in judgment. Verse 39, the flood came. Notice what it says, it took them away. It took them to judgment. And this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, do you notice in verse 40? It's an interesting verse. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Uh, two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, the other left. Uh, Have you heard of the idea of the rapture? Uh, So it's... Who's heard of this idea? Christian rapture? Uh, So fascinating, for centuries, um, uh, it wasn't on the agenda for Christians, it wasn't really thought of, but in the early 19th century, I think it was about 1830, um, this doctrine came up of the rapture, that Christians would be taken up to meet Jesus then there'll be a time on the earth where people who aren't disciples of Jesus keep living and then finally Jesus will return. Okay, so it's like a two-stage return of Jesus and people often refer to this verse, this is what Jesus is saying, one will be taken, one will be left. But can you work out why you can't get that from this verse? Have you thought about this? One will be taken and the other left... What's the context of the person who will be taken? He's just talked about Noah and the flood. The one who's taken at the flood is taken to judgment. It's not the believer, it's not Noah that's taken. It's the one who's taken to judgment in the flood. And so when the son of man comes, some will be taken to judgment. I think it's a picture of judgment. Uh, Yes, separation, but I don't think you can get uh, the idea of the rapture from this. Uh, some people take the rapture pretty seriously. Um, I haven't worked out whether this is urban myth or not, but there used to apparently there used to be this policy for American pilots that if they wouldn't let two Christians fly the same plane, <laughs> because what happens if during the flight the rapture happens, we're in trouble. <laughs> uh, I grew up uh, in my youth group. One of the youth leaders had a uh, sticker in, the, in his car that said, if the rapture occurs, beware, driver may, may leave suddenly. Um, so people take it pretty seriously. I just don't think you can get it from, from this verse. Um, in fact, I don't think you can get it from the Bible, but that's another, another discussion. I think Jesus returns as separation uh, and that's it, it's final. And, and what he's saying here is, notice it will just look like things are completely normal. Uh, So what does that mean for us? People will be eating in restaurants, they'll be at work, they'll be mowing the lawn, uh, they'll be renovating their houses, they'll be watching Netflix. Everything will seem just like it normally does and then the end will come. And so what's Jesus saying? Stay alert, be ready, don't be distracted, it will come suddenly. What is the other thing that Noah's, the example of Noah, teach us? I reckon it says something to us about signs. Um, Were there signs for Noah that the flood was coming? How would you answer that? I reckon there were signs. Uh, What's the biggest sign, if you were living at the time of Noah and the flood, what's the biggest sign that something's about to happen? It's the building of the boat, isn't it? There's a guy in your suburb who's building a ginormous boat bigger than the the football field. That should raise a question for you. Uh, Now, you need to work out what you're going to do with that. You could ignore it. You could ignore him. He's speaking about the end of the world as we know it. He's speaking about a great judgment to come. You could, though, fail to pay attention to him. You could pretend the ark's not there. You could just go on living as if life will keep, keep going. And Jesus says that's what it'll be like leading up to the return of Jesus. Uh, Jesus has told us the signs, hasn't he, earlier in the chapter. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be wars, there'll be rumours of wars, there'll be poverty across, across the world. What's the biggest sign? The biggest sign is that Jesus will die and rise again. And when you see that big sign, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, then you know we're at the beginning of the end. We saw this last week. That is the beginning of the end, then then the destruction of the temple, then the final end will come. And there won't be an overwhelming sign to tell you that the final end is about to come upon you until it's too late. And that was the case for Noah, wasn't it? If you waited, we'll just see how this we'll just see how this pans out. If you waited until the floodwaters came, they're rising, it's too late. And so, do you see the issue with signs? The signs that God gives us are not so compelling that they force you to believe, do they? You, you need to work out whether they're true. You need to have eyes to see, oh, wow, when you see that and that, we're in the end. But you could ignore those signs. So Jesus' death and resurrection is the sign. And yet you could ignore that. Uh, the temple's been destroyed, AD 70. But you could just ignore that as if that's not that significant. Uh, I gave the illustration last week of the building uh, imploding, Uh, the world about to come crashing down, Jesus about to bring it to an end. What set that off is the death of Jesus. And what's happening now is God is holding the building for that split second. That split second, a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer in His mercy so that people might return to Him. He's holding off the judgment. And so, what does that say to us? Don't don't settle in here. Don't think that when you know this this life is it. Don't imagine it'll just keep going on and on and on and on. If you've got eyes to see, this world looks secure, and yet it is crumbling. It is going to come to an end. And it's just like in the time of Noah. It will have that point where it comes to an end. So. What's the signs of the end? Well, there are the signs that Jesus spoke about. And what's the other thing you know? Life will just go on as normal. That's what Noah teaches us. But here's another thing that we know about the end. Not knowing the hour that Jesus will return actually raises the stakes massively for us. And Jesus um, gets this across uh, in verse 43. And he talks to us about the thief. But understand this if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. It's the nature of security, isn't it? Uh, what it, what it why do you invest in security? Why do you lock your car, lock your house? Uh, why do you do that? Because you know, you could say this the thief is coming. I'm preparing. Uh, the day that you don't lock the door is the day that you could get caught out, couldn't you? Uh, Natalie and I got caught out when we were living in Sydney. Uh, Lots of hot summer nights where you just want to leave the windows open at night. Um, Small bathroom window, you go, no one would crawl through that bathroom window, would they? Uh, I can leave that open. Uh, I'll just leave it open tonight. Surely that'll be okay. Okay. Uh, 2 a.m. in the morning, someone is in our house. It's a thief. Um, I'm chasing out a thief. I'm not the hero of this story. I'm incredibly afraid. I'm one room behind him chasing him out of the house. Um, I was caught off guard. And Jesus says, that's the nature of it. One night, bang, there it comes. And you were caught out. You were not prepared like a thief. Thief. And then there's two parables, let's have a look at these two parables. The first one is the parable of the wicked servant and it's that idea that we are the servants, Uh, Jesus is the master. What has Jesus done? He's left us in charge of the household. He's actually, look at verse 45, he's left us in charge of the servants in the household to give them their food at the proper time. There's this idea Uh, The nuance here I think is Jesus Jesus saying, I've left you with things to do, people to care for, what are you going to do with that uh, before I return? Uh, And then what happens, the wicked servant says, oh Jesus, he'll be gone for ages. Uh, In fact, it's so long, I think I can just put that out of my mind. Uh, Maybe there's a question of whether he will return at all. And so what does is, what is the wicked servant do? Rather than caring for people, he turns to abusive behaviour, doesn't he? He turns to selfishness and comfort. Uh, Jesus won't return. I don't need to ready myself for the master. I can live how I want. And he gets caught out. He's the one who's to be cut to pieces uh, in verse 51. I reckon this also says something else about Jesus delaying. I reckon it says to us, one of the things that Jesus delaying does, we're told in 2 Peter 3, it's about the kindness of God uh, so that more people might be saved. But it does test your heart, doesn't it? That the longer Jesus delays, the more you need to persevere and be committed to Jesus right to the end. How committed to Jesus are you when you need to wait for his return? Uh, it actually tests your heart. Uh, are you really living for Jesus? Because for the wicked servant, he just got on with life the way he wanted to do it. Uh, it seems that he was never a lover of Jesus at all. Uh, he got caught out. Well, then there's the last one, the parable of the ten virgins. It's a a funny parable and it is a parable. Uh, It's a different kind of wedding ceremony than we're used to. I don't don't remember seeing ten brides lined up for a bridegroom, waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. We normally wait for the bride to arrive. But the idea is that there's ten of them, five of them wise, ready, the lamps are good to go for a long time. Five have not come prepared and they get caught out. Uh, Think about uh, wedding ceremonies in our culture. Um, You go along to the wedding. uh, What's the point of the wedding ceremony that you don't want to miss? Would you say, I mean, you don't want to miss the vows, yeah? That would be embarrassing. But it's really the start, isn't it? I mean, you want to be there before the bride gets there, yeah? Isn't that why the bride delays? Why are brides fashionably late? Uh, Isn't it subconsciously, I guess, uh, let's make sure everyone's ready, everyone's there, uh, and then I'll come in. I don't know how long you've waited for a bride. I've waited up to 40 minutes for a bride, for a ceremony that I was taking. Um, But what are you going to do? When you wait for the bride, whether you're the groom or whether you're just a guest... You just have to stick in there, don't you? You don't know when she's going to come. Just keep patiently waiting. Talk to the person next to you. They put on that music. Everyone's like, oh, is that the car? Um, because what's going to happen if if you go, oh, she's always late. She's often half an hour late. And so I could duck home and just check on something. And what's going to happen when you duck home you'll miss her. You'll miss the bride completely. And that's the point. Jesus said, if you're not ready, if you're not ready for the long haul, you will miss Jesus' return completely because you're not a follower of Jesus. See, in the parable before, the wicked servant overestimated the wait. It'll be a long time, I don't need to worry. This is the opposite danger, isn't it? Um, The that you haven't prepared, that you could be waiting a long time. That the the, the Christian life—it actually speaks to us about the Christian life, doesn't it? That this is the long game, the marathon, not the sprint. Uh, and that you need to be prepared to follow Jesus year after year after year. Just think about that. If you're, if you're. 18 or 19 or 20, it could be decade after decade, it could be 70 years, 80 years of faithfully living for Jesus before he returns or before you go to be with him. And it's true, isn't it? Because it's been 2,000 years. It's already been the long game, hasn't it? It wasn't, even for the disciples, it wasn't just like a week later or a year later It's been 2,000 years, it might be another 2,000 years. And so, yes, be ready, it could be tonight, but it could be a long time that you need to keep persevering following Jesus. I reckon it says something about Christian ministry, it says something about our vision here at Salt, uh, making lifelong disciples. It is completely appropriate to have the urgency that Jesus could return tonight. So have that conversation with the person tonight. Uh, invite that person this Easter. This might be the last Easter that they have. Uh, This might be the last Easter before Jesus returns. You might not even get to Easter uh, if Jesus returns, but at the same time, it could be decades away. And so you actually need to think long-term. We're we're, um, just about to launch uh, a third gathering at SALT and we're planning and preparing for that. Um, Someone helpfully said that, If Jesus returns before Easter, we don't need to worry about it. (laughs) And that would save us a lot of trouble, which is fine. But what happens if Jesus doesn't return? We're planning for the long haul. We're planning for after Easter, for next year, for the next 10 years. It's the same uh, with our, our goal to have a new home, a permanent place where we can meet as God's people, a larger place. We're actually thinking about the next generation and the next generation. We're actually thinking about the person in Wollongong in a hundred years' time. How would they come to know Jesus? Let's invest now so they they can. That takes patience, doesn't it? That takes discipline. That takes planning. And the other thing I think to say about the parable of the ten virgins is on that last day, there is no second chances, right? Notice at the end, it is irreversible who goes into the banquet and who doesn't. Uh, The decision you make for Jesus is the decision that stands when Jesus returns. That Jesus actually holds us accountable for the way we respond to him now. Uh, He treats us like adults. Uh, It's not reversible, there aren't second chances. where does that that leave us tonight as as we wrap up and and pray and sing again Uh, let me say something, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus this raises the stakes doesn't it if this is true if Jesus really said these things and he really did die, did rise again the temple was destroyed and there is coming a final end you need to think about how you're going to meet Jesus on that last day uh, Jesus uh, gave lots of illustrations of this. One of them was, there is a wide road, a, a highway that leads to destruction. There is a narrow road that leads to eternal life. Uh, and I think what Jesus is saying, don't do what everyone else is doing. Follow me, look for me, trust me, respond to me. Now's the time to sort out your relationship with God. Now's the time to say to Jesus, I want to follow you. I want forgiveness from you. I'm sorry. Thank you for dying for me. Uh, I want to be right with you now and you can be. Uh, before that last day, the Bible says now, now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Uh, and you don't need to earn God's favour. You don't need to be good enough. It's about receiving a gift. A gift from Jesus. It's about trusting him, starting that journey now. Uh, do talk to us. Uh, fill out the Connect card if you want to talk more or grab someone tonight to, to talk about that, uh, even tonight. But second, one, uh, second thing is, if uh, most of us here are disciples of Jesus and I want to say this passage speaks to us about not being distracted, uh, not being caught off guard when Jesus returns the delay may be long. Are you, are you ready for that? Uh, or are you going to be distracted so that your Christian life becomes weaker and weaker and weaker until you fizzle out? Uh, how terrible would it be if you are one of the ones that Jesus says the love of, of many grows cold in those last days? And then the second thing I think if you're a disciple of Jesus is... What are you going to do intentionally now as you prepare for the Lord Jesus' return? Um, Think about that. What is it that you... How will you be different? What will you be doing knowing that Jesus is returning? And the Bible helps us greatly with that. Doesn't doesn't leave it up up to us. Let me give you some some things as we finish. Uh, Jesus uh, says in Matthew 28... Uh, go and make disciples. Uh, now that I'm, I'm risen, now that I have all authority on, in heaven and earth, you disciple, go and make disciples. So there's a very easy, obvious one, isn't it? God is gathering his church. He says to his disciples, you now go and make disciples. You're part of my work in these last days. And then 2 Peter 3 says, holiness, that point came with a bang. <laughs> holiness, or your maturity as a Christian, your godliness Your righteousness, you being more and more like Jesus, is how you prepare for the last day. Uh, So 2 Peter 3, as you look forward to a new home where righteousness dwells, your your maturity in Jesus, you growing more and more in godliness, more and more in love with God, uh, is important as you live for him right to the end. James chapter 5 says, be patient, don't grumble. Don't harbour bitterness, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. It's almost upon you, so don't grumble against one another, or you will be judged. The judge is standing right at the door. Or 1 Peter 4, uh, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and sober-minded, so you might pray. Pray. So you might know how to pray. And last one, Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Uh, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What becomes important is gathering with God's people. uh, Encouraging one another, moving each other, spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. So can you see the end determines my priorities now? You see that the certainty of Jesus' return actually helps me work out what is important now. It actually helps you work out what, what's worth sacrificing for as you think about the return of Jesus. We're in those last days. God is holding up the building. Everything has been done. He's holding off so that more people might be saved, so more disciples might be made. Then comes the judgment. Then Jesus will return. Because I know Jesus is returning, I am what? Let's pray. Gracious Father, thanks tonight for the reminder of your son's return. When he will come and set things right, where well, he will be clearly the judge, where well, he will divide those who know him and those who've rejected him. Our Father, please, in your kindness and mercy, for those of us who are still working out whether to follow you or not, help us even tonight uh, to make that decision, to trust in your Son, Jesus. And Father, as we think about uh, life as a disciple of of Jesus, as we think about the return of Jesus, help us with the priorities of our life, uh, help protect us against being distracted, help us to be alert, uh, help us to be ready, help us to have the priorities that you'd have us have uh, before that great day. Amen.